You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Thursday, November 9th. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I am Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director. And we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, the CSU Health Network is hosting a handful of workshops to help manage stress. This and more in Campus News with Tyler. And you'll get an overview of some results from Tuesday's local election and more with Lee in local news. Then, from soap making to going to the museum, there are lots of things to do in town soon. Tyler will lay it all out in Events News. Later on in the broadcast, the Hollywood strikes are officially over today. Learn about this and more in national news with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with campus news. Hello, I am Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Colorado State Campus News. The CSU Health Network will be helping students handle the incredibly common and incredibly harmful issues of stress. College students in particular are in need of stress management aid. CSU Health Network will hold the Mindfully Managing Stress Workshops for students. The workshops will take place over Zoom every Monday from November 6th to December 4th. Excuse me. Professors at CSU continue their fight against the university over the poor conditions of the Andrew G. Clark building. The Clark Collective has started a petition to try and encourage change and raise awareness over the conditions of the building that they teach and students learn in. As of now, the petition has over 170 signatures online with a goal of 200. The petition was started just a few days before flooding occurred in Clark with video servicing online. The petition states, quote, We are requesting the support, financial and logistical, as well as the active involvement of the central administration in the Clark renovation. Given that the little, given what little has been commu- communicated about plans for accommodating f- faculty, staff and students in both B and C wings, this request is urgent. Transportation will be getting an update here at CSU. Parking and Transportation Services on campus announced the Transportation Demand Management Master Plan Update. This update will set goals for the next decade. One of the main goals this update has is higher quality in the university transportation network. Other goals are cleaner, more environmentally friendly transportation. And now next up is Lee with your local news. Lee will be going over local elections and some planned fires that will be burning nearby. In local news, Tuesday's voting in Fort Collins kept progressive candidates on city council, and candidates who were openly supportive to changing the city's land use code ended up winning. The election kept three current council members and added another, with land use policy being a key factor. Many winners' opponents voiced at least some opposition to land use changes. There was a lot to vote on, but here is a quick rundown of the projected results across candidates for this week's local election. As of yesterday afternoon, about 110,000 ballots were counted in Larimer County, and about 15,000 were left, according to the Coloradoan. That means the process is nearly 90% done. Jenny Arndt secured a second term as Fort Collins mayor. She has about 92% of the vote in her race against Patricia Babbitt, who was a write-in candidate. This will be Arndt's second two-year term. She can run for one more before being term-limited. She said one of her goals now is to focus on good governance practices. Babbitt said as a write-in candidate, the whole process took a lot of learning and that she met interesting people and went to interesting events. She said supporters told her they hoped she would run again next time. 
and just in District 2, Councilmember Julie Pignataro pulls ahead with about 55% of the votes. Yesterday afternoon, her opponent, Eric Hamrick, conceded the race to her. Pignataro said she was excited to serve another term and to get working on more land use code changes. Those changes will center around commercial and transit spaces. Another area of focus for her is to reduce traffic death. Hamrick said he wished Pignataro the best of luck. He said he hoped the council will listen to the people. Because of term limits, this race was the last one Pignataro could win in District 2. In District 4, school psychologist Melanie Padiandi will replace retired educator Shirley Peel. Padiandi regained her spot on council after Peel won back in 2021. She has about 54% of the vote so far. She said she was excited for the opportunity to serve on council. During her campaign, Padiandi said housing was the number one issue. She said the city benefits when it's more livable for teachers and other essential workers. Like other winning candidates, she also voiced support for changes to the U plus 2 rule. Peel said she was disappointed with the vote count so far, but she said she would continue finding ways to serve her community. Emily Francis swept the race in District 6. She had 77% of the votes as of yesterday. Francis was a big driver of the property tax increase that was also on Tuesday's ballot, but it was failing with only 38% of yes votes. Now Francis will focus on affordable housing. Her opponent, Alexander Adams, didn't have any comments on his race. Francis will not be able to run again in District 6 because of term limits. At the winner's watch party, Mayor Arndt said she was glad the voter turnout was bigger this week than in past city council elections. She also said election day is special because it's when everyone gets to hear what the community thinks. Information for this rundown comes from the Coloradoans' live coverage of the election. Those living in Fort Collins or Loveland might see fire and smoke from Boyd Lake State Park this month. If you do, it'll probably be from planned burns, which were announced Monday. According to the Colorado Division of Fire Prevention and Control, prescribed burns are expected to happen at the state park as early as this month. They could continue into the spring if conditions allow it. When burning happens, fire and smoke could be seen from both cities. You might also see it if you drive along I-25. But in the public notice from the agency, they said burning will happen under specific guidelines to keep it under control and safe. The main goal of the burning is to treat dangerous fuel accumulation at the park so that the surrounding public is safer. In the same notice, they said the burns might also affect some people's health. If that's a concern, the notice included a link to information on wood smoke and its possible impacts, as well as how to reduce exposure. A now former Loveland police officer was arrested on suspicion of a sexual assault of a teen. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office and the Loveland Police Department made the announcement on Monday. Loveland Police Chief Timothy Doran said Dylan Miller was arrested after a 15-year-old girl came forward last month saying she was sexually assaulted, saying he sexually assaulted her in July. According to Nine News, police said the girl told investigators she was first contacted by Miller during a traffic stop earlier in the year. She said she saw Miller again in July when she and a friend were at North Lake Park after hours. Miller, who was on duty at the time, told her friend to leave. Larimer County Sheriff John Fayen said she told officials Miller then took her to a secluded area at the park and sexually assaulted her. Fayen said, quote, The respect that I have at this moment for this young woman and her family to come forward and make this known is beyond measure. 
According to 9 News, Loveland Police turned the investigation over to the Larimer County Sheriff's Office when the girl came forward. 28-year-old Dylan Miller was then arrested Monday on suspicion of first-degree kidnapping, sexual assault, official oppression, and first-degree official misconduct. Miller is being held under a $300,000 bond. He's set to appear in court next Monday, the 13th. Miller was a patrol officer with Loveland Police since last year, before he worked as an officer with Durango Police from 2020 through early last year. Durango Police Chief Bob Brommer said Miller's records didn't have any similar allegations. Brommer said over text that if new information does come their way, though, that they'd investigate fully. Local authorities said they believe there might be other victims based on his time working both in Durango and Loveland. They're asking anyone who might know anything to come forward. That's all for local news. Coming up, there are lots of things to do around Fort Collins, from soap making to museum admissions. Hear about that from Tyler after the break. supported by the Armory, supporting live and local music in Fort Collins. Upcoming shows include Corey Hansen with Slow Hand on Friday, November 17th. Tickets and info at armoryfoco.com. Coming up this week in events is live music, soap making, and free museum admissions. Tonight at the Aggie Theater is the bluegrass band A.J. Lee and Blue Summit. Coming originally from the California Bay Area, these exciting bluegrass players create a unique sound, drawing in inspiration from not only bluegrass, but rock, country, gospel, and more. Also performing tonight is Two Runner and Austin Kenneth Lee. Smell good this Saturday with the cold process soap making event at Golden Poppy Herbal Apicarthy. Gain hands-on soap crafting experience with Soap Master. If you participate in this event, you will have the skills to make your own soap at home, and you will also be able to take home your sample of soap made in the course. The cost of this event is $60 and space is limited. The Builder's Ball Gala Saturday night at Ellis Ranch will be having will be a fun evening that supports families and individuals with finding a pathway to affordable home ownership. The event lasts from 5 to 8 p.m. If you reserved your tickets already, don't forget to go. If you did not RSVP, then sadly you cannot go. The Global Village Museum of Arts and Cultures will offer free museum admission for veterans on Saturday. The museum shows off the culture and life of New Zealand and Australia. There will be a gnome scavenger hunt for children, and the museum is open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
Saturday at 8 p.m. is the highly anticipated Lady Denim. Lady Denim comes from Colorado State University starting off playing in small bars and college basements. Now Lady Denim is the main act for Saturday night at the famous Aggie Theater. The indie rock band will also be joined by other local indie rock talents such as Neighborhood Watch and The Athletics. Coming up after the break is Lee with National News. The top stories for today, the actor's strike is over, so you can expect some of your favorite shows and movies to get back to work, and more election coverage coming up. Hey, this is Mars Williams from Liquid Soul. You're listening to the eclectic sounds of KCSU. And we're back with national news. The owners of the Colorado Funeral Home, where nearly 200 decaying bodies were found, were arrested on Wednesday. John and Carrie Halford are the owners of the Return to Nature Funeral Home. They were arrested without incident in Waganer, Oklahoma, which is about a 10 and a half hour drive away from the funeral home in Penrose, Colorado. They're both being held on bonds set at $2 million. In a statement, the district attorney for Colorado's 4th Judicial District said the owners are facing four felony charges, abuse of a corpse, theft, money laundering, and forgery. The owners are also facing lawsuits as grieving families told the Associated Press they believed they were given fake ashes made of dry concrete. According to NPR, District Attorney Michael Allen said that information on the probable cause could be released to the public at a later date. On Wednesday at a press conference, he said, quote, I want to warn you, the information contained in that affidavit is absolutely shocking. Police first searched the funeral home, which is about 30 miles south of Colorado Springs in Penrose, in early October. According to Fremont County Sheriff Allen Cooper, what they found inside was, quote, horrific. Investigators first estimated there were about 115 bodies, but after moving all remains to the, El Paso cor- to the El Paso County Coroner's Office, the number jumped to 190. Governor Jared Polis declared an emergency disaster at the funeral home early October to free up resources for the investigation. Both state and federal authorities, three county coroner's offices, and other state and local emergency agencies have worked together during the investigation. Some of the investigators come from an FBI team that were sent to mass casualty events like 9-11 and airline crashes. For now, the process of identifying all victims and notifying their families is still ongoing. Fremont County Coroner Randy Keller said on Wednesday that so far, 110 have been identified using fingerprints, dental records, or medical hardware. 25 bodies have been released back to their families. 
This week has been an eventful one for politics in America. Here's a quick gauge of what's been going on across the nation as we get closer to the 2024 presidential race. It was a busy election night across the nation on Tuesday. Voters decided on state officials and other local policies. One key issue that seemed to have an important role in elections this year was reproductive rights. Across multiple states, Tuesday's elections showed that many Democrats won their races with campaigns centered around abortion. According to AP News, abortion rights supporters won an Ohio ballot measure to preserve the right. Democratic governor of the traditionally red state of Kentucky held his spot in office by campaigning on reproductive rights. A Democrat won an open seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court after running on a pledge to keep abortion rights. And Democrats took a f- took full control of the Virginia State House, a sweep that blocked Republicans from passing new abortion restrictions. These key results are considered major victories for Democrats, but it might not be enough as we head into next year's presidential election. According to the Associated Press, there's a deep divide in Democrats over the Israel-Hamas war. In a new poll from the APNORC, nearly half of Democrats disapprove of Biden's handling of the war. The off-year local elections and the poll have given a look into American politics heading into 2024, but none of the races were great indicators for how people are feeling specifically about Biden against Donald Trump in general. After off-year elections on Tuesday, Wednesday night was the third Republican presidential debate. Five Republican candidates faced off in Miami, representing as alternatives to frontrunner Trump. Trump himself was not there. He was headlining a rally in the Miami area. Part of the night's focus was on foreign policy. The candidates all said they supported Israel in the war, but in terms of other foreign policy ideas, they didn't agree on much else. They also talked about rising anti-Semitism in the United States and shared ideas on how to combat it. Information for this update comes from NPR and the Associated Press. The Hollywood strikes are officially over. The Screen the Screen Actors Guild announced a deal with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers late Wednesday. The deal will let studios resume production of TV shows and movies, which has slowed down significantly in the past six months since the writers' strike early May. According to USA Today, about 60,000 members of the union were affected by the strike. The union membership should vote in the next couple days to formally accept the deal if authorized actors would be one step closer to being in front of cameras again. It's likely that it's likely that network TV can air new episodes of scripted shows as early as February. Movies can also restart production to fill the hiatus. But it's, it'll still be a while until there are new episodes of most scripted series from ABC, NBC, Fox, and CBS. Writers have been back working on scripts since early October, but the holiday season is around the corner. Traditionally, TV programs shut down in December, according to USA Today. The traditional network TV season will be back to normal sometime this spring. Shows like Abbott Ab- Shows like Abbott Elementary and Chicago Fire will have shortened seasons of 10 to 13 episodes, and some new shows planned for last fall will probably be pushed into the next season. While the two most major strikes are over, the contracts extended the contracts extend for the next three years. So when those are expiring, there could be a new round of negotiations. But of course, it's hard to say if strikes would happen again. That'll wrap up national news for now. After the break, Tyler will lay out the CSU Sports Report.
Do you want to build skills in fundraising and donor relations? Get involved with the development department at KCSU. Hello, I'm Tyler Weatherwax, and this is your Rocky Mountain Review Sports Report. Basketball is back at CSU with the Rams looking to be even better this season. Guard Isaiah Stevens will be returning for this season along with Jalen Lake. The Rams won earlier this week against Louisiana Tech, winning 81-73. Next, the Rams will take on Wright State here in Fort Collins at Moby Arena. Rams football lost this week past weekend against the Wyoming Cowboys in a tough match. Coming this weekend, the team will be going up against San Diego State. Head coach Jay Norvell said his team will be breaking down the last three games of the season, one at a time. Redshirt freshman Braden Fowler-Nicolosi will be leading the offense in another game and will be looking for a win. The Rams are currently 3-6 and six overall in the season. The Rams will need to win out this season in order to finish above .500. The NFL will be changing up the rules they currently have on college athletes who want to declare for their draft. According to ESPN, juniors who formally declared for the NFL draft this April will now be, able to, will now be allowed to play in college football postseason all-star games. And finally, for sports, one of the world's most famous athletes, Shohei Otani, is being looked at closely by one team. The crown jewel of MLB free agents, Otani has a lot of attention from teams and fans. Off-season elbow, an off-season elbow injury, however, will prevent Otani from pitching in the 2024 season, but that isn't stopping one MLB team from pursuing him. The Chicago Cubs are now in the mix for Otani, and like many other teams, they will also be looking to sign the free agent. However, the Cubs could find a way to sneak in and snag the baseball star. Coming up next now is Lee with the weather. Earlier this week, it got a little chilly out, but the rest of the week moving into the weekend should be a bit more stable. We should consistently see mostly sunny, warm days and cooler nights. Today, it was sunny as temps rode a high near 51 degrees. The wind was generally pretty calm and cold, unlike the start of the week. Tonight, it'll cool to a low of 22, and skies will be mostly clear. Friday, we'll see a good amount of sun and a high of 54. We'll see some more calm and wind. We'll see some more calm wind carrying over from today. Friday night will be partly cloudy. The low will dip to around 26 degrees. The wind should die down after midnight. Saturday, Veterans Day, will be looking sunny as it starts to warm up a little more outside. The high will sit at 58 degrees. It'll be a little windy, though, not quite as windy as it was on Tuesday, but it will definitely pick up in the morning. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low of 29. Sunday, it'll warm up some more as temperatures reach a high of 62 degrees. The sky will stay sunny. Sunday night, we'll see more clear skies as the evening cools again to a low of 29. Information for this forecast comes from the National Weather Service. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music. We would also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section. You can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.